The following is brought to you by the Starfleet Podcast Network, SPN, The Spin. I am a PC guy. I won't touch a Mac. You could lay a, a Mac in front of me and say, here, you can have it. And I would say, no, get that away from me. A red alert. Hey, this is Big J. And in just a moment, I'll be presenting you with The Romulan War, Part 1. Afterwards, please join our critical, not cynical review for our discussions and reaction to the film. Without further ado, here is The Romulan War, Part 1. Accessing library computer data. Despite the tragedy on Corridon, Prime Minister Samuels, with assistance from Captain Archer, finalizes the details on the first trade and security pact of its kind in known space. On March 11th, 2155, the Coalition of Planets Compact is signed in San Francisco. Charter members include United Earth and her colonies, the Alpha Centauri Concordium, the United Planets of Telar, the Andorian Empire, and the Vulcan Confederacy. As the Coalition worlds celebrate their new alliance, Admiral Valador's fleet is well underway towards Berengaria 7, a world recently chosen by the United Earth Space Probe Agency to serve as the location for Earth's first starbase. United Earth Starbase 1, also known as Station Salem 1, was located in non-aligned space near several major trade routes used by the spacefaring species across the region. Unlike the other two starbases operating during the war, Salem 1 existed for one reason, to demonstrate that Earth was ready to become a key player in interstellar affairs. The station offered a variety of services. Repair, resupply, there were shore leave facilities, hydroponics, aeroponics. There were tours to the planet below, which was as close to Risa as you could get within four parsecs. All of this went a long way in demonstrating that Earth was absolutely committed to the ideals of peace and mutual cooperation. The Romulans, however, had other ideas about Earth's rising new influence in interstellar affairs. This is United Earth Starship Atlantis to unidentified alien ships. Halt your approach immediately or we would be forced to take action. Captain, I'm reading an energy spike. All hands to battle stations. We've lost computer control. Radiological on the outer market. They have nukes. are headed for the civilian ships. Move to intercept. Let's try to give them some cover. The power is fading. How is it responding? Soldier fire. We have women and children on board. Deploy PDCs. Point defense standing by. 
doing something to the reactor. Can't engage the warp drive. Nearly 6,000 were killed in space and on the ground at Berengaria. It was the largest single loss of human life since the Zindi incident. In Geneva, the United Earth Parliament's Security Council votes unanimously to declare war against the Romulan Star Empire. Later that day, the UE General Assembly approves the war resolution, which directs Prime Minister Nathan Samuels to form a war cabinet. Samuels immediately turns to his most trusted advisers, Admiral Gregory Black of Starfleet Command and General George Casey, Supreme Commander of the Mako. Black and Casey have their work cut out for them. An industry based on exploration and commerce must be transformed into a military machine virtually overnight. Starfleet Command scrambles to recruit crew members and to build or refit ships as quickly as possible to face the Romulan Navy. Meanwhile, Admiral Valdor is given new orders by the Praetor to secure an unexplored star system known as Aldron. Its location is strategically useless to Valdor, and yet, the Praetor demands Algeron for reasons known only to him. Take her out, Mr. Mayweather. Starfleet Captain Jonathan Archer, whose ship and crew had survived a hostile first contact with the Romulans, leads the Coalition of Planets, First Expeditionary Force. Their mission, to engage and repel the Romulan threat. The Coalition combined wasn't ready for a war against the Romulans. It had only been a month since the destruction of Salem One. Not nearly enough time for Starfleet to get on a war footing. Not that it would have mattered. What happened there was, it was a humiliation. Archer to fleet. Tactical alert. When a listening post at Algeron goes dark, the Coalition fleet finds itself up against the Romulan war machine for the first time. There was no way for Captain Archer to know, for any of them to know, what we had in store for them. Attack vector 177. This was a highly sophisticated computer virus which could incapacitate and then take control of an enemy ship's main computer functions. Rocket ship, disengage your weapons immediately. Acting like a virus, the Romulan's new weapon leaves the Coalition fleet helpless. Primary systems have failed. Since most of the other advanced races, the Andorians, the Tellarites, had appropriated Vulcan computer technology over the years, the Romulan's telecapture weapon was effective on them too. Ironically, Starfleet ships were able to recover the quickest because the Vulcans hadn't been sharing their computer technology with Earth. 
Completely unprepared for the Romulans' insidious new weapon, the Coalition fleet is forced to retreat. And once again, Captain Archer must yield to the Romulans. The Romulans barely fired a shot. They had nearly complete control over a dozen ships from four different alien navies. That is, that's just amazing. I mean, how do you defeat an adversary that has that kind of advantage over you? The Battle of Algeron wasn't just a military defeat for the coalition of planets. It was a political defeat as well. The debacle gives First Minister to Powell the reason she needs to withdraw Vulcan's military forces from the conflict indefinitely. Back on Algeron 4, Romulan science teams find a key piece to a puzzle they've been scouring the Beta Quadrant for. Buried deep in the ruins of a long-lost Debrune colony lies an ancient map, one which has obsessed the Dederidex family for generations. For in the words of the poets, the seekers shall be unsundered, and all shall dwell in the shadow of the raptor's wing. A map created to Derridex believes will allow the Romulans to rule the entire galaxy. Captain's Log, May 4th, 2156. It's been six hours and still no sign of our escort. I can only assume... Over the next several months, Admiral Valdor's fleet continues to apply pressure on Earth by attacking cargo ships along the major trade routes in the region. The Romans have been attacking boomer ships in the Earth cargo service. Their fleet is, 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 is stretched thin. And even when they can give us an escort, they have guns. Where did they come from? Make a run for it. We'll give you some cover. The Romulans are a bunch of goddamn they're cowards. Admiral Valdor's strategy to target only Earth ships makes it difficult for Starfleet to rally support from the other coalition powers. I have received very specific instructions from my government. The Andorian Imperial Guard will not aid Earth or Earth-aligned vessels at this time. Earth now finds itself alone, isolated during her darkest hour, and the worst was yet to come. The Alpha Centauri Concordium of Planets was home to the largest settlement of humans outside of Earth's solar system. By 2156, Alpha Centauri was a hub of interstellar travel, trade, and commerce, a shining symbol of humanity's trek to the stars. Starfleet Command had warned the Alphans to shore up their defenses, but they wouldn't listen. These were people who'd earned their prosperity, and they weren't about to just walk away from it. On May 22nd, 2156, a Romulan attack fleet walked in at strategic points across the Alpha Centauri cluster.
They refused to believe that they could be a target. They thought the Romulans were Earth's problem, not theirs. A beautiful summer's morning on Alpha 3, and not a cloud in the sky, just bombs. There was no warning whatsoever. These were just civilian colonies with no way to defend themselves. The Romulans butchered them. It had been over a century since humans had seen the effects of nuclear weapons firsthand. They were crude but uh, effective weapons designed to instill the proper amount of terror and fear into the enemy. The Centauri Massacre was the largest single loss of human life in the entire war. Nearly half a million innocent civilians were killed in less than an hour. The attack on the Centauri colonies was motivated by politics. However, the Centauri Massacre only served to enrage the humans and strengthen their resolve. The call for Romulan blood was deafening, and it was one that Starfleet could not ignore. The United Earth Security Council unanimously approves the use of Earth's nuclear weapons stockpile, which had been mothballed for nearly a century. Earth decides to fight fire with fire. Their only hope for retribution lay in the Unroth system. Four years earlier, Starfleet made first contact with the Romulan Star Empire at Unroth when Captain Archer's ship, Enterprise, hit a cloaked Romulan mine. This time at Unroth, Starfleet knows the lay of the land. Using Captain Archer's previous scanning methods, the Starfleet Task Force is able to quickly clear the minefield around the planet. Starfleet scanned the planet and found some kind of mining operation. That was a good enough target for them. The humans' need for revenge prevailed, and that was fortunate for the Empire. The truth is that there was no mining operation on Unroth III. It was the site of an archaeological expedition that had concluded and was preparing to leave the planet. Had Starfleet investigated our presence there, they might have learned of the Praetor's obsession. What are humans? bloodlust made them impulsive and our scientists were able to continue the search for the final key without further interruption. Even though only a few dozen Romulans were killed on Unroth, the Praetor uses the incident to move his people to action. Citizens and subjects, it is with great sorrow that I must reveal to you now a new threat, the likes of which we have never seen before. Humans, a savage and belligerent slave race of the Vulcans, launched a nuclear strike against the peaceful inhabitants of our outpost on Unroth III. More than one million Romulans, men, women, children, were incinerated in their homes as they slept. These humans must pay for their treachery and they shall. 
I call upon you, citizens and subjects of the Romulan Star Empire, to stand with me now as one. Death to the humans and their Vulcan puppet masters! By the end of the day, nearly 70,000 Romulan youth had enlisted in the Imperial Armed Forces, a major propaganda victory for the Praetor. Altair 6, an M-class planet in the Alpha Quadrant, where Earth scientists discovered the remains of an ancient alien civilization. Attracting Earth's finest scholars and scientists, the mysteries of Altair were the foundation on which an entire archaeological tourism industry was built. It had no strategic value, and yet the Romulans wanted Altair 6, and they wanted it badly. With reinforcements weeks away, Task Force Delta is quickly overwhelmed. Fire phasers! The colony is under attack! Evacuate to an emergency shelter immediately! While thousands were killed on Altair, the Romulans inexplicably spared the colony from the mass destruction they'd inflicted on Alpha Centauri. The Romulans are dozens of light years from their core systems, and here they are digging in the mud on at least three remote planets. Why? What are they looking for? How does all this help them win the war? The reason for the Romulans' interest in Altair, Algeron and the other worlds in coalition territory would remain a mystery for the time being. As Admiral Valdor's navy campaigns through Earth space, back on Romulus, domestic issues are beginning to spin out of the Praetor's control. When a mining accident on Remus kills hundreds, Praetor de Deridex exploits the disaster to his own political advantage. He claims the accident was a sneak attack by Earth forces which demands a strong response. Against Valdor's opposition, the Praetor orders a direct assault on the Andorian homeworld. The Romulans had good intel on Vulcan and Earth. They had virtually nothing on Andoria. They didn't know the enemy's fleet strength or its deployment. They didn't know if their approach would be detected. Hell, they didn't even know if there were navigational hazards in system. And there were, as they'd find out. For the first time since the conflict began, the Romulans were going into battle without the tactical advantage. Earth and Andorian forces were ready and waiting. Captain Stiles and Captain Shran were preparing for a counteroffensive, and they were on training maneuvers when the Romulans arrived. So not only do the Romulans have bad intelligence, they're also attacking an enemy on their home turf while they're in the middle of a war games exercise. The timing couldn't have been worse. Attention all vessels. Relvia Station has reported unauthorized movement on the designated vector. We are switching to condition black. This is not a drill. Our sensors show 12 cruisers approaching. Confirmed. Captain Stiles to the fleet. Reconfigure for combat operations. This is no damn drill. We're at red alert. Captain Tran, hold position until they've made their turn. We've intercepted these coordinates. This wasn't a colony or a star base. 
It was the enemy's home system. The Battle of Andoria wasn't the first time politics got in the way of good military strategy, and it wouldn't be the last. But it was certainly one of the Romulans' largest blunders of the war. Our ships open fire. They're carrying atomics! Come in! Do you read? Destroy that marauder now before it incapacitates the rest of the fleet! Aubrey! Invasive maneuvers and I can't shake them! They're matching us! All hands, brace for impact! Engineering and Forge warp drive is down. We could use some help here. You have an inbound hostile in your position. Take evasion action immediately. This is Styles. What's the situation, General? The Marauder took down half the fleet's systems. Groups 3 and 6 are trying to regroup and finish off the cruisers. But that dreadnought has pushed through the skirmish line. It's on a direct course for the homeland. They are definitely packing nukes. We're reading two dozen of them at 50 megatons each. Shrey, can you reach that dreadnought? Shrey. This is Imperial Command calling any ship capable of fighting. The enemy missile carrier must be stopped. Captain's log, final entry. We're out of torpedoes and our phaser batteries are drained, but the engines still have a little left in them. Styles to engineer. Ramming speed. I still remember the words which assured a grieving nation some 150 years ago when the first spaceship named Challenger was lost. Sometimes painful things like this happen. It's all a part of the process of exploration and discovery. The future doesn't belong to the faint-hearted. It belongs to the brave. We shall never forget them as they slip the surly bonds of Earth to touch the face of God. Captain Stiles' sacrifice was not lost on the Andorians. And thanks to the actions of Challenger, millions were spared. While the Battle of Andoria proved that the Romulan Navy could be beaten, some harsh realities remained. After two years of fighting, Earth had lost nearly half her fighting ships. Three Earth colonies had fallen and Starfleet Command still had no idea what their enemy looked like or where to find them. If something didn't change soon, all would be lost. Welcome back. This is Critical Not Cynical, and we are going to talk about the film you just watched or listened to, The Romulan War, Part 1. Frank, I know that this was going to be one of your favorites because you certainly favor the Romulan side 
of Star Trek when it comes to that. And I appreciate you recommending this one that we watch uh, for our for tonight's review because it was it was another good one. And I think that I probably have a have a difficult time trying to be really critical on a lot of these things because you're sending you guys are sending us good stuff to watch and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, what can I critique about this so that I'm not just saying, yeah, I like everything about it. And that that wasn't that wasn't really easy to do again because this is very well put together and Frank, since you're the Romulan guy, why don't we let you lead off with the uh, with review? Well, of course, I loved it, you know, the way it was put together. My biggest nitpick, and this is really, a, a, in my mind, a major nitpick, and I, you know, is the fact that under the guidelines, we are not supposed to use stock footage. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking that whole time. Yeah, and the thing is, is even though it was well put together, it it ran along the lines of, you know, a, a narrative and stuff like that, and a lot of good people were in it, it still is one of the reasons that we can actually get in trouble from CBS. It's just like if you're playing, um, if you're playing a, um, a song, in the background, YouTube is going to, you know, snuff it out. I'm sure you may have had that happen to you. I've mm-hmm. had it. I had it happen to me with one of my own songs that they they said that it was a pirate. And I said, oh, wait a minute, I wrote this thing. So, I mean, the algorithm <laughs> sucks. Yeah, it does. But the fact is, that's the only nitpick I have is the fact that they did use a lot of stock footage. You're right. And I, that's the same thing I was thinking was with the amount of views that this got, you would think that it would be because we, we all know that there is that, that threshold that, uh, uh, CBS is very two faced about the, the guidelines and how they choose to enforce them. Basically, if your, if your product is too good, that's when they're going to come after you. And I would have thought that with this film getting as, as many views as it, as it had that, I mean, did they, did they get lucky? Was it just a a case of it wasn't good enough or what was it? What, what was it that uh, kept, kept them on the, uh, the good half of, of CBS picking and choosing when they follow their own guidelines? I don't know, especially then since there are more out there in this particular series, I'm sorry, Vance, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're you're fine. I I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I I did a lot of soul searching before <laughs> this podcast, and I I actually reached out to a friend of mine, um, who is is a little higher up in the fan film community. I won't name names, but I had to ask him, like, "Hey, man, am I?" Am I am I in, in, am I getting in my own way on, on ego here by by how much I don't like this film? Um, <clears throat> I'll be honest. You you guys both like this film, Frank. You recommended it, uh, Jefferson. You uh, enjoyed it. I I didn't. I I saw that it was like twenty or twenty four minutes long. Um, I I was hoping I was near the end of it. 
um, I was bored out of my mind. And I, I hit the thing to see how long I had left, and it was only 10 minutes into it. And I was like, good God, this piece of shit. <laughs> um, and I, and I'll, I'll, I, I saw at the end credits that I had a lot of friends that were in this film um, and a lot of people that I know. So mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't mean to offend because I know this is critical, not cynical. Um, so I had, I had to reach out to my friend to go, look, man, I, I'm not under the delusion that my films are great, you know, grandiose epics of Steven Spielberg caliber. But am I egotistical here by not liking this film? And, and he, he was like, what reasons? And I was like, well, here, here's my reasons. And he was like, no, I actually think two out of your three arguments are pretty valid. And I think the third one is kind of a nitpick. And I was like, well, I think the reason why the third one is a, is a nitpick, um, but I think it's more valid because, the first, because of the first two. Um, because I think the third one could be a nitpick if the, you know the first two just weren't there um so here's here's the reasons why i don't like the film one i don't think it's actually a fan film i think putting it uh, as a title of fan film i think is giving it too much credit um for the reason frankie kind of stole my thunder there <laughs> of of saying when you use the uh when you use somebody else's recordings um you're not a fucking fan film I mean, if I if I took Scott Bakula and 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 Lee Montgomery and put them in my film and and ripped it straight off CBS and and put it in my film, hey, look at how clever Vance Major is. I'm not fucking clever. I'm it's cheat. Um, now I'm not talking about using backgrounds for our film and green screening like that. I mean, I I can understand doing that. Um, so it's a matter of how comfortable are you with the cheating. Um, but I, I think there comes a point where, hey, we're all using a backdrop for something or, or, you know, but then you're straight up just ripping off. I mean, hell, let's let's tell a, a, a 185 minute film with Tim Burton's music and Tim Burton's complete score and, and, and visuals and, and, and actors and, and put that on and, and have Batman, the fan film, and just rip it straight off the VHS. I mean, at, at what point? does it not become a fucking fan film? And so I was offended by, I've, I've put on 150 films, I've put the time, the, the money, the investment, and, and seeing you rip off straight from the, the, the either YouTube or VHS or whatever, um, and not intelligently at that. Um, I was offended. Um, and the... The thing is, when you reuse CGI from the TV show as well, that takes me out of your fucking film. And I know that you use Samuel Cockings in this, and, and this is my point number two, using the CGI. So not only did you use it for the actors, which was oh, yeah. what irritating, but you did it with the CGI. And you use Sam Cockings, so you have two things. I don't know if it's done for budgetary reasons, which could have been... Um, because I know, you know, well, we're not going to delve into the charging of CGI or lack thereof or whatever. Um, I don't know if it's done for budgetary reasons or if it was lack of imagination. But one of the CGI pieces um, was taken from the Dominion War 
when they uh, destroy the mines. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that to me was being a huge fan of the Dominion War was, again, irritating, almost to the point of, man, I want to shut this shit off. Because that's like me saying, oh, hey, here's this huge, big enemy that we've never discovered. And then showing a board cube in Captain Kirk's time. Like, there are some things you just don't fucking do. So, right. I mean, I, I, I would rather you have just thrown mud at the wall and been like, hey, there are my fucking mines and let's blow it up. Pew, pew, pew with firecrackers. Like, make up your own stuff. Don't reuse shit and then reuse it bad. So, again, those are things that I'm offended over. I mean, give me a bad film. Don't give me someone else's film done poorly. So then we get to the third thing that irritated me, which my friend said, I think that's a nitpick. But I understand with the other things how that is now irritating. Um, The story thread of the the Andorians and I think it's Tellarites or whatever. There are two alien races which were completely defenseless against the Romulans. But the Federation ships, uh, oh, Vulcans it was. Um, But since the Vulcans didn't share their computer systems with the humans, the humans were resistant. So we were like the only line of defense against the Romulans or whatever. That story is directly ripped from the Dominion War again, where the Klingons and the Vulcan, or the Klingons and the the Federation are completely defenseless against the brain power weapon. But the Romulans, they they can fight against it. So they're the only defense against the brain in the Dominion War. Like that is directly from that. Well, you're close. There was one Klingon ship in that uh, battle of... uh, the second battle of Chintaka. Okay. And uh, yeah, this somehow the Klingon ship magically was able to repel that energy dampening weapon. But yeah, I totally get what you're saying. But I mean, what would normally be, and and my friend's point was, well, maybe you're reaching on that one. And, and my point was we're all inspired by something. I myself have been inspired by Battlestar Galactica, Smallville, other Star Trek episodes. And I understand where you could say I'm kind of reaching on that one. But when you look at the other things, which is you've directly lifted from Star Trek Enterprise, you've directly lifted the CGI from these other things. When I look at this thing, instead of giving you a free pass going, well, he was inspired by, were you inspired or did you just directly fucking rip off? So I look at this whole thing and I'm, I'm not excited to watch part two. I don't want to watch it. Um, Actually, I'm sorry, go ahead. And it's hard, it's hard to be enthused or positive about something where, I mean, you know me, I'm not, I'm very seldom this harsh on a film. And I don't like the fact that I am. I went into this, I had watched Lee Gartrell's um, Romulan Wars, which anyone who knows Lee Gartrell, his films, no disrespect to Lee, they're very low budget. And some could say they're almost parody, which I think that's a little harsh. Um, I don't think my role was parody. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, that was the example they gave in every instance. <laughs> um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed Lee's Romulan series. Yeah. And, and I, enjoyed, I, actually, I enjoyed it, too. And I, I, in fact, Jeremy and I, we binge watched his entire series on one of my birthdays. Um 
Uh, I think I enjoyed it more than Jeremy did, but I kind of dragged him along for the ride because I was like, fuck it. If I'm going <laughs> to, if I'm doing this, you're doing it with me, you know? Um, but I enjoyed that. And then there was another, I think it was an hour and a half, uh, film called the Romulan Wars, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it was entirely green screen. And I loved that film. It's one of my favorites. So when I got to this film, the bar was, was very high for what I was expecting. And you know me, I'm very forgiving on films. So when I saw the blatant ripoff of um, direct lifting, I, I was not just disappointed. I was, I was upset, extremely mad, um, because I felt like I had been cheated out of watching something. Um, and... I, you know, I, I feel like it's always an exaggeration when people say, oh, man, they ripped me off. They cheated me out of. No, I, I felt like you guys could do better. I mean, you had Sam Cockings on your uh, visual effects team. You had him doing some of your CGI. What the hell? You know, you had wonderful actors. I, I enjoyed the actor who was in the first contact uniform. I felt like he was very well every other actor in that which was i think it was the lady and then the uh romulan i wasn't really too impressed with them but the makeup on the romulan was good so it's not like i looked at this and was like let me dump on the whole thing it, not all of it was bad there were elements that were good but it was overshadowed by my distaste of what they directly lifted and i never got a sense of anything character wise from anything it was just a bunch of visual effects where people are talking over it. I don't know who's talking to who or what they're talking about. It's just poorly done. And it felt like a poor man's Axonar, you know, prelude to Axonar. It felt mm -hmm. like a poor man's that and done way, way worse. Um, so I, I left the experience angry, you know? Um, so I did not, did not enjoy it. Um, you, and I, that, oh, I'm sorry. I thought, thought you're done. Go ahead. You know, I, I would I would welcome anyone. Please watch it and please get a better experience than I did. You know, if you enjoyed it, I'm not taking away from anyone who does. Um, and please go check it out for yourself. I, you know, I think Jefferson is going to put the link in the comment or in the in the description. Mm -hmm. You know, please go watch it for yourself and 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 leave a comment for us and let let me know why I'm wrong. Like, I am not saying that my opinion has to be yours and I'm not trying to start a war with any other producer. Like, dude, we're all we're all adults here you know um and i'm not saying i'm right i'm just saying my feelings and my experience was was not that great um and i i wish it had been something that was along the other lines of the other two romulan experiences um and i left it going really that was it um and, and i i i was really angry um i felt cheated out of an experience that i was looking forward to so Gentlemen, you guys take the floor because I feel like I've rambled on. Was it that there was too much of scenes from prior Star Trek used? Because uh, there was there was Star Trek, there was Babylon Five, there was uh, uh, Star Wars used in there. Do you think that maybe if there was less, that it would have been okay, or is it that if you see if you use any of it, is that what you're? Here, here's my thing. You you want to play Cisco at some point, right? Um, um, regardless whether it's a grandfather or I think you wanted to play him at one point. Like my my thing is this. Yeah, that's, I, I I wanted to, but I came up with a uh, ancestor. Right, right. But 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 my thing is this: 
in my opinion, it would be better to take you and make you Captain Cisco than to go to any fucking DS9 episode and rip off that show and put that in my show. Got because you. it would be better to take it would be better to take you who one can act or can't you know you on a bad day or you know having a bad hair day <laughs> you know um but i would rather i would rather take Asshole. that right <laughs> hi noah <laughs> Come on, there, there, huh? What do you think this is? Saturday night live? It's only Friday. <laughs> it's live Friday night. <laughs> Stupid Noah. <laughs> but I would rather take you on a bad day where you're just completely off your game than God damn you, Noah. <laughs> but I, <laughs> that's our that's our tradition now for critical lessons. It's a photo bombing by Noah. <laughs> It is. It is. It is a tradition now. Photobomb by Noah. Yes. Yes. But I would rather take you on on an off day as Cisco than ever use any footage from, you know. And again, I'm not talking about like a background plate for something, you know, because again, those are hard to come by. Nobody has time to build models or can use that or can digitally do. Like, I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about like just ripping off mm -hmm. a show because that takes no talent. Um, because at what point does it become, we're a fan film, look at us rip footage off from this, and then we can splice over this or do a voiceover. At what point does it become a fan film or a review of something or a critique? Because, you know, you've done reviews of stuff um, where you maybe will splice in footage of, hey, look at this preview of this. What's the difference between that and a fan film under, under, this, uh, under, under this type of qualification? To me, a fan film is fans doing it as fans, as the characters, regardless whether it's a you know uh, character that's established or their own characters, or whatever. But when you take off and you lift from the TV show directly, you, it, that's not a fan film. You know, take take your own people and go make your film. This is not you. Know, you ripping off from the TV is not you making a film, and that takes no talent. And for people that I do respect. Um, as as filmmakers and friends, I can't respect that. I mean, it's just like let me let me go lift. I mean, what's the difference between what this film was and taking the episode Mirror Mirror and changing the name from Kirk to Menard and Spock to you know Mickle and mm -hmm. Scotty to Russo, and then doing that same exact thing except it's us. People would blatantly call that out and go, "You fucking thieves." Yeah, And that's that's what I see here. And that's not what I tuned in for. I tuned in to see what story do you have to present. And to see Archer there, no, I don't want to see Scott Bakula. I want to see your version of the events. Show me that. You know, to me, seeing your actors, even if it's done poorly, do, you know, their own stunts, I take that more seriously. And I the love that I have for that, which is there. Look at my, I've never degraded George Kyan, for instance, in anything like this. I've never felt that way toward his films. And his films on a budgetary scale, I guess, production-wise, has never, I've never approached it like this. I've, I've never spoken about his films like this, because I don't feel that way, because I see the heart. I don't see the heart in this film. It's not there. You see, Vance, yeah, how much do you love me? <laughs> 
Well, because, it depends on it depends on how much you got the you know how how long your poll is out. No pun intended. I, I, <laughs> That's I a loaded actually, question. I actually, and I, I don't want you guys to hate me for this. Sure. I actually suggested this film because I knew it was going to cause the controversy, and I wanted to see us get into a lively discussion on something that really dealt with: is this a fan film or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it to a degree, but then again, there was way too much, as you said, of that actual ripping off of the uh, the backgrounds and stuff like that. And that did detract from it because I, I knew that even though that they had good CGI when Sam did it, you could tell it wasn't a fan film in my estimations. Well, and and that's the thing, like when 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 the stuff from the studios brought up or or the uh, you know when 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 Scott Bakula comes on or uh, Lee Montgomery's brought up, like it takes me out of the film because now I'm like, okay, this is this is from that one episode that I saw. This it, this couldn't possibly take place after because fucking Archer's hair is from season one. Like I'm not thinking about your film. I'm thinking about something else. And when I'm looking at the CGI, now every shot, I'm like, what episode is this from? Is this Sam CGI or is this fucking, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, like, I'm not thinking about your film. Like, when I'm watching Crossroads, I'm thinking about your film, good or bad. And we've all made good and bad films. We, of and that, the, it, you know, they're all subject to its taste issue. But when I'm looking at this, I just do so better much, sound than you do. <laughs> shenanigans cageless time is going to tell on that one um i'm trying to i'm trying to download it so i can think i'm running through a filter i think that's you, my favorite film with yours now <laughs> see i want to i want to download cageless now and put the uh the background to when the the when the, when the wicked witch is driving her riding her bike through the the tornado like just the whole film, just that. <laughs> but you know, as I'm watching this, so much of my time is focused on what what I'm picking up from other stuff, and it's not focused on the film. And to me, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to think about that. It's it's kind of like Batman Forever. The whole time I'm watching Val Kilmer, mm-hmm. as you know, I'm like, is this Val being Batman or is this Val being Michael Keaton being Batman? Like I, I had a hard time and it wasn't until years later that I was like, okay, I can now sit back and appreciate Val as Batman. But it took me a long time to get over that. Cause I, I simply couldn't get past that. And that this film, I I don't think I can get past it because I, I simply don't see this as a fan film. I see this as people just talking over Scott Bakula here. It's, it's to just call this a fan film is a disrespect to, actual fan filmmakers and having been having being the most prolific fan filmmaker in the world my only response to that is fuck off Mm -hmm. i i I don't it's 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 totally disrespectful i don't i think that you've you've got a good point in regards to the character for example uh if you're instead of using uh, uh, footage from official Star Trek uh, license. If you want 
to have, if you want to have a scene with Jonathan Archer, either use your own or don't use the character or use somebody else. But I think that, uh, it certainly feels like in this, in this film that it was, that it was written too much to, to want to have tie-ins to the show so much so that it was, let's, let's use these, these uh, scenes with these actors in it because we want to have such deep tie-in to enterprise. And that didn't have to be, that didn't have to be done. And here's the other thing I, I would have even, I would have given an allowance to say that there are a lot of people. I'm sure there are lots of the over 800,000 viewers that watched it have not seen so much Star Trek like we have to where they probably could not have been able to tell any scene that came from something else. Uh, this is we watch so much Star Trek and everything else that, yeah, we know what was taken from episodes, what, what came from Star Trek, what came from Babylon 5, uh, the scenes that came from uh, uh, the pod race scene in The Phantom Menace. And maybe that's uh, are are we being too critical about the use of those clips just because we know what it's from, whereas a lot of people may not have been able to tell the difference between Sam CGI and something that came from well, an official source? Well, you got to realize, like Sam, like whenever Sam is attached to a project, like he's honestly, I mean, Trekyards is going to bring their viewers. Like mm -hmm. they're, they're instantly like whatever check yards is associated with they're they're instantly, boom, you're going to get that audience. And it's, it's smart marketing, you know, um, you know, not, I would say probably 95, 90, 95% of what Sam promotes and is attached to. And cause I mean, he, he knows how to market himself. Mm -hmm. They're, they're smart people. And, and I don't give me, and I, I, I love Sam. I love Captain Foley, you know, Stuart, good guy. They, they, sent me uh, pit, uh, magnet pens for, for my uniforms, you know, just because I'm like, hey, man, could you help me out? They're like, oh, I'll help your brother out. You know, they're great people. They are. And that, again, public service announcement. If you want to get on Vance's good side, just send a magnet. <laughs> send a magnet. <laughs> Don't take any magnet going. Anything I can put on my fridge. That's, you know, it's, you know. <laughs> Be like, oh, shiny, you know. Um, <laughs> you should, you know, you should uh, see him. <laughs> He's stuck on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those things where when you know that you're working with certain people and they have an audience, it's smart to reach out to them. When I was, you know, I, I for myself, there was a reason I reached out to several fan filmmakers and, and you know, film, fan film heads I was like, hey, would you like to, to cameo in my film? Because I knew that's going to reach out to their audience. And then I will be able to attach myself there. And did I think I'd grow to this large? You know, no, of course not, because that's not my goal. But I did want to be able to, hey, let's let's build a bridge. Mm -hmm. You know, same thing with over here. Let's build this bridge. You know, let's build this bridge. You know, that's why now I can work with Gary Davis or George Kyan or Jose Cepeda or David Chang or... You know, now Frank Parker, God damn it, you know, um, <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things where when you, you know, when you have, when you're able to build a bridge with people, you're able to reach that audience. 
So I just love you know, how he can sit there and not say a word. You know how that is. How many more words do you have? That's the second one I think I've, I've seen. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, the one from the Enterprise D. That's the one from Voyager. It's pretty cool. But, but you know, they're, they're going to be the ones on Crossroad when I figure out how to make a miniature set on it. Oh. So, <laughs> but it's it's but it's one of those things where you know, obviously, you know, eight hundred thousand people. Hey, awesome. I. I don't have views like that. I think my highest video is like 60,000 or 34,000. Like, and like, I don't pay attention to numbers. Numbers don't mean shit to me. Cause it's like, I do it because I enjoy it. I build memories with friends and fuck the numbers. Cause no offense to YouTube algorithm. How, how many of the little guys get screwed over because we don't have the proper reach to the proper people. And, you know, so fuck, fuck that. I don't care about numbers. That doesn't mean anything to me. Did I have a good time making the film? Yes, I did. Awesome. Did I make some friends? Yes, I did. Did I have some pizza? Absolutely. So those well, are the we're, also, we're not monetized either, so we don't do anything at all for them. Right, no. right. No. There's nothing in, so, in it for YouTube to uh, have anything of ours happen to fall no. into their algorithm. No, and, I, and I've noticed, like, we there for a while, we were, like, every day we were getting, like, 10, 20 you know, subscribers. Like, we were, we were making subscribers, like, and, like, Every day, like we, dude, we nobody visits anymore. And nope. again, nothing's changed for what we're doing. Um, and nobody visits the channel. So obviously, we're not doing it because, hey, come visit our, come visit. You know, we do it because we enjoy it. We don't do it because we're looking for publicity or we're looking to, you know, be the biggest thing. We're not. I don't care about those things. And, you know, it is what it is. And for the fan films I do, um, I do it to enjoy with my friends. But, um, looking at the film as a fan film, hey, out of those 800,000 people, how many people felt the same way I did going, dude, I can just go click on, you know, Paramount Plus and go watch the original film. I don't need to have people talking over Jonathan Archer. Like, it, it, to me, the, that I, I would have rather them have taken whatever money they had from uh, crowdfunding if they did have money for crowdfunding. And go go hire some people, or have your friends. I mean, out of out of those eight hundred thousand people, how many people do you think look like Scott Bakula, or could at least look similar to Captain Archer? Maybe none. What of about them. what about what about Travis Mayweather? I'm sure probably at least one. Mm -hmm. You're telling mm -hmm. you're telling me out of none of them people, you couldn't find one person that could that could act or that could, that would volunteer. Well, but I think the, the difficulty there is when you're, when you're doing this film, for example, if, uh, if I wanted to have, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of, um, who off the top of my head, like if, if I wanted to have a fan film and have a character, Dr. Bashir in it, I, I can tell you that, of all the friends I've got, people I know, I I don't know anybody who would even come close to you even thinking that that's that character without me blatantly using his name. Using the name is one thing, but a way around filming an actor, you know, have a screenshot of the bridge of the of the front view screen, have somebody standing there, do do a back of the head. So you're not seeing the face. Mm -hmm. How many people? How many people have brown hair that that are slicked back like Bashir mm -hmm. 
or or in Archer's case, you know, brown hair come to the side or yeah. whatever you got, you know. So it, 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 it's those things. Or if you can't find somebody that has the color hair, get the uniform, just do the shoulder. Yeah. So you see, it's, it's those things when you are a filmmaker, you have to do things like that to fake the shots. And since you're like, and how hard is it to have somebody imitate? It's not hard. And especially with, with um, even, even a couple of years ago, we, we had the technology to fake voices um but i mean hell find somebody to Ooh, you make me so angry <laughs> god but it, it's it's one of those things where it's like i would rather i mean to take that to put a little bit of fucking effort instead of oh let me just rip off paramount plus god damn like a little bit of effort i mean man how hard is it to put a little bit of effort into a fan film i just i didn't see any effort besides what you're doing right now, talking to me on a Zoom call, is the effort that I saw there, except for the Romulan makeup. That's it. Maybe a light here and there for the shading for the Romulan. But outside that, man, and if you crowdfunded for this, and again, I don't know because I don't pay attention to that shit. But if they crowdfunded for this, God, God, can you get the money back? Because hmm. fuck, where did that money go to? I, I totally understand what you're what you're saying there. And I certainly agree if there's the main criticism that I believe any of us have on this is is that me, however, I I couldn't even even after what you're saying, the points that you've made, I don't think I could bring myself to say it's not a fan film to me. Sure. I, I, I could still say, yes, this is a fan film. But yes, they also did overuse uh, prior established Star Trek, and I, I, I well, think. What What did you enjoy? Like, I mean, we I've rambled on long. I'm sure people are tired of hearing about me. What did you enjoy about it? Because I, I I would like to hear that. What did you enjoy about it? I enjoyed the story because this is one of those things that uh, the Romulan War. It, uh, it is not touched upon a lot in Star Trek. It's one of those things that it's mentioned. We know it happened, but there wasn't a whole lot of time spent on it. And I like the uh, uh, the filling in the dot on that with being able to see how it started, what the conflict looked like, and how the story was being told. So I did like that. I did like the story. I thought that the story would have been fine. Do do all the mentions you want. Talk about Archer. Talk about Shran. Uh, have have them being in the in the battles, but you can you can accomplish it without showing clips from prior episodes of Enterprise. I thought that the story would have been fine without that because it was a story that you don't you don't get a whole lot of and I was I was interested interested in the story and liked it so there was that and that that's what my redeeming if, if there's redemption and I, and I think there is is the fact that I think that the overall intent of this at the time was to try to plug that gap of where season, six would have gone to or season five would have gone to 
yeah, five would have gone to at that point in time. And maybe what they were trying to do was to backfill it by going overboard in what they did, though. I, without a doubt, I could see the series have progressing like that. And I could see, you know, the explanation, just like I can see, uh, you know, the Klingon war with with Garth and in, in, in how Alec is doing it. But the fact is, again, where Alec is taking and he's got Garth, but he's not surrounding himself with actors that played that. I mean, he's playing Garth. He certainly isn't the original Garth. And that's the way I wish they had, you know, attacked the Romulan Wars. And OK, yeah. All right. So we can hear Archer's voice over uh, you know, combination. We can see even the Enterprise in there. We see the Enterprise in other fan films. But the thing that galled me the most was the ripoff of the fact that you're not supposed to be using screenshots in it, and it does take away from that creativity. The story, the way it ran, sure. But why did you have to heavily Put that. I mean, one of the, the things that I did not want when we started doing Dreadnought, I didn't even want Star Trek music in there. You know, and you can't. Wanted, you, you can't use like you, you. Technically, you can because everybody uses it and nobody said anything. But technically, you have to pay royalties. You know. Right. I had I had one, and this was a very good point that somebody brought up. <clears throat> I have a picture in my, um, as a matter of fact, it's this one up here that's on my TV screen. You see that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. I have that over my desk, okay? And I got this picture at a long time ago, uh, was at a little s- store, that was down the road for me in in um, New Hampshire. And the person I was with at the time, we went down to this little store and we saw this in a frame. And I said, wow, five bucks, I'm grabbing it because I love the crater. And, you know, years of, of, of finding out that it was actually, uh, you know, one of those big magazine pullouts that somebody framed and stuff like that. But I got to the point where, Shooting on that in the um, in the bridge, I was getting too much shininess on it, and it was always a shine. So I was going through looking for other since we're doing the update, looking for other uh, you know pictures to maybe put up there and stuff. And I ran into this a few weeks ago that I'd never seen before, and I found out who was the author. But you know what? Technically. Even though I have it in there and I now can put it in there and say this picture was by what, I still need to get permission. I'm a songwriter and I know this. I would need to get permission from that person like we did with the Dreadnought and went to Franz Joseph's um, family and said, can we use the Dreadnought out of the Star Trek manual? There's a lot of things that you have to watch and something like what they do on that, that is a you know a flagrant violation of copyright. Mm-hmm. It it was. I am. I'm. Su- I'm surprised the video is still there. To be perfectly honest with you, 
Well, here's here's here here's the reason why. And again, I I'm nobody important, so I I could be wrong. The most of what we do, nobody really cares about. So they're they're really not going to, and nobody's going to mistake the that film for real Star Trek, which is where CBS. That was the whole reason why the guidelines came about is because they didn't want people to be mistaken for Star Trek. Um, and when you look at this, especially this, compared to say um, a review of a trailer. There, there's no real difference between, okay, we took footage, we're talking over it, we're putting footage in here, bits and pieces, here we go. There, there's no real difference. So that is one reason why they could, more more so than, say, uh, someone that uses Star Trek music. Um, that, is one, that is one reason why they can get away with that. It's because it's not any real, there's no real difference between that. And the reason why CBS doesn't really bother us, and most all we would really get would be a C and D, because we're not really that important. And again, nobody really is going to mistake us for Star Trek. We are just most of us are just people, you know, and and you know, oversized people in our living rooms <laughs> playing Star Trek. I mean, really, that's it. And and who wants to go fuck with them? You know, it it's it's nobody really wants to bug us because we're not really worth their time. Now, I mean, if we had billions and billions of dollars and we were trying to really seriously compete, maybe, but we're not. By the way, Carl Sagan, billions and billions of stars. <laughs> but, but I mean, we, we ser- I mean, if we had the money of say like Warner brothers, um, before I wouldn't be stopped. doing no stupid fan films. I'll tell you that. <laughs> before the- before their stock started tanking, yeah. um, you know, you know, then, then I would say, yeah, we probably get a tap on the shoulder. Hey, fucking cut it out. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the end of the day, do you are, are you really bothered by what the ants are doing outside your car? No, mm-hmm. you walk right on by them and fucking ignore. Them. I mean, unless they're trying to. You know, until they start eating your wires. Yeah, <laughs> unless they're walking away with your banana that's you know on your picnic bat. You know, you don't care. You know, it's like you ignore them because they don't. They have no concern to you, and that's what we are. You know, they don't really care unless it comes to their doorstep. That's ultimately what it is. You know, and because so there's so many things on YouTube that are violations, heavily violations of things. Like, and we're not claiming, hey, this music of of. CBS, this is mine. This is Vance's. No, we're not doing that. None of us are claiming that that music is ours. So it's not like we're not overstepping in that regard. None of us are doing that. You know, the stories are ours. And something that I did find out that was interesting, all of those stories, I was under the impression that, you know, everything that we put in our films, like that's CBS. It's like, you know, um, but it's not. Every story that's on Star Story, it's mine. CBS does not own it. They don't own the characters. Like all that shit. I thought, you know, as soon as I write it and put it out there, you know, CBS owns stuff. They don't. Absolutely not. They don't. That story, those ideas, those are mine. So they don't own that. I was I was misinformed. But I was informed by somebody more important than I and somebody that I trust. That, I can't no, imagine those, who that might be. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, th- those stories and the idea, like, those are mine because they are my, uh, they are mine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing with Frank's stuff. Like, those are Frank's. Those um, are yours because you write for me. <laughs> well, yeah. Those are also Vegas's. <laughs> right. But it, Dad but, owns me. Come on. Hey, Grissom's mine. <laughs> there you go. But it's it's one of those things where it's like none of us are going around saying this piece of Star Trek music is mine. This, this is mine. Like, we're not doing that. So that's another reason why I think they're like, eh, we don't care. Why? Crossroads is mine because my music writer wrote it just for me. There you go. Yeah. And see, and that is the difference. If you have it, and the stuff that uh, that that uh, we try to use, and I know Vance did, is it's technically covers, and yep. covers is technically a fair game. I mean, there there is, I mean, we could we could have a whole program on copyright law and what can be done, what can't be done, mm-hmm. where. Parody was uh, defended by Mad Magazine, and that's why Felkin is good, and why people like Weird Al can get away with doing that, and what mechanical rights are, and what I mean, it's just it's out there. I'm not a, I'm not a, a litigator by any chance, and there's a lot of stuff I don't know about copyright, but I know enough about copyright to know that it's one heck of a wormhole. Did you know that the reason, and, and this this is really interesting. It used to be, I think it was 70 years or 75 years the copyright was out. But Disney went to court way back when and made them change or won and had them change the copyright laws. That's why Steamboat Willie just came up and is out there. Not the regular Mickey Mouse, but Steamboat Willie who was the original technical Mickey Mouse before it evolved into there that Walt Disney produced just came into public domain. So now you can use this and it's like 90 years now, I think something like that. Mm -hmm. But the original was only was 70 and then it would go into public domain. But Disney had a, 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 you know, a, a conniption fit. They also, I think it was them, it was them or Warner Brothers that wanted to, that had for the while that they had the rights to Happy Birthday. And that's why a lot of the restaurants had to stop because at one time they were claiming copyright. On the song? Yep. You couldn't, happy sing, birthday. It at, you couldn't sing it out of the, the bullshit. Yeah, no. That, yeah, well, it was. Okay, I'll tell you this. <laughs> You have a little store, uh-huh. okay? You have a little store, and you have a radio playing in the background in your little store, and it's playing music that is not. You have to have a license from ASCAP and B, uh, you know, uh, BMA. All the the writers, okay? Mm-hmm. Coffee houses. They stopped letting people do copy houses and playing guitar in there and, and covers in there because BMI, everybody else came in and said, you need to pay us royalties. And they were cha- charging, seriously, they were charging royalties 
to copy houses on the same plane as what you would charge a bar for licensing. And a copy house does not make the amount of money, so they had to stop that. Science fiction conventions, I know this for a fact, Con Carolina's got nailed. They had to pay $125 every year to these places just because we have music there. When I was with the con, I said, wait a minute, doesn't the venue's license cover that? Oh, no. Wow. Wow. That is insane. Yeah, it gets crazy. Like, that's why, like, going, that's one reason why I do covers of songs, because I I used to have a um, uh, composer. And he went on to do <laughs> bigger and better things. I know, like, it's surprising to people, like, bigger or better than Constar. It doesn't get any bigger than that. What are you talking about? Um, but, you Did know, you he, say cornstarch. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, like, it, that's one reason why, like, I would always say, hey, man, I, I like this song. Can you make something similar to it? And he'd be like, sure, let me try. And he'd always come up with something that was, you know, good. Um, but that was one reason why I started going to covers of songs because it's like, well, if they're doing this, then, well, obviously it's getting past YouTube. And since I'm not making money off anything, well, I guess it's, you know, let, let me make sure it's cool with them. And if they're okay with it, awesome. I'll put this in my film, you know, and that's one, that, that is one thing that, um, I've always stood by, hey, if anyone ever asked me to take my films down, hey, no problem. I, I'm good. Because my films are always made for me. They're not made for I want to be famous. I want to be rich. I want to be, you know, my I've never made a dime off any of my films. In fact, most of us, um, uh, if you're doing it right, most of us have lost money. Um, even if we fundraise, we still lose money. Um, this so, is why I never show the bottom half of me is because I can't afford pants. Yeah, he's not pants. No pants. Uh, yeah, please don't stand like, up. Aren't you, aren't you yeah. guys glad that I'm here for the comic relief? You could, you could have a very boring. Yeah. See, that's why he's wearing, that's why he's wearing the red shirt. Cause he's winning the pool in that shit. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but it, it's, it's one of those oh, things God. where it's like, you know, you can, you can start, you can start, uh, you know, when you when you use covers of songs, you get the the exact vibe that you want, you know. And I mean, and it, it may, <laughs> it, and it may not be exactly, you know, what you're looking for from like the the official song or not, but you know, it's it's close enough, you know. And um, and again, as long as you're not making money, most people have no problem, and they're usually honored or flattered by it. But like, yeah, go ahead, you know, it's fine, you know, here you go. You know, uh, whatever you need, you know, most people, if you approach them like that, are always happy to work with you because they know what it's like, because they're usually in the same boat, you know, free publicity, just put a link to the channel. Um, most people are like that. Um, it's the same way with fan films. If you if you ask them for help or you need a little, you know, which direction you go that, you know, hey, yeah, I'll help you. Here you go. You know, um, but, you know, the music thing, as long as you're not making money. Most people are either willing to kind of look the other way or they're willing to help you out and help you use what you need. Um, but it's I, I have found that when you start introducing that element of money and the royalties and all that, like that's where I'm like, you know, 
I'm going to push away from that. I don't even want it. I'm good. I don't. And that's why I really do enjoy the lower budgeted films um, because they, they don't deal with any of that stuff. Like once you start introducing money, now you start looking at, okay, now I'm going to critique you on a completely different level um, because you have the budget to be critiqued on that level. You know, it's like I don't go into a second grade play and nitpick the production costs of it. You know, it's not <laughs> the same way as when you go down to, you know, New York and, and go to a Broadway play. You know, it's like everything's completely different, you know. Um, and, you know, it's just I think we really should keep the, the money out of, you know, the, the large money out of fan films, you know, because um, to me, that, that's when it starts. That's when it, that's when it stops being fun, you know, at least my personal experience. You know, mm -hmm. I, I totally but, get you. It, what you said there makes sense. And you're right. Yeah. Very well put on on all of that. I I think in, in general, uh, you know, we, we certainly at the at the end of the day uh, agree that there was there's a bit too much. Uh, any of us may have had a certain allowance of. Okay, we'll let that pass or, or that scene or that usage, but it was overdone. Uh, and so that took away from the total experience of the film. Uh, so I would say, yeah, totally get advanced. I, that did take me out of it as well. I found myself then looking at, okay, let me see if I can pick what it was from and where it was out of it. Oh, yeah, that's from Beyond. That's from The Phantom Menace. That one's from the episode of Babylon 5. This is that one from. And, see I, I wasn't sure on, on, on the, the, on the Star Trek, like, I wasn't sure, like, if it was the 09 or, or like one of the, like, I, I, like, I kept rewinding it. I was like, I don't know if that's from one of the Kelvin movies. It was like, if, if like, but I, I kept rewinding it. I was like, I don't know if it is or not. Is that when Nero attacked? I don't know. Like, I, I wasn't sure if it was from the bridge of when Nero attacked him or not. Like, but I was like, I, I don't know. It looks like it, it, but I couldn't place it. But I was like, "This, this there, doesn't." There was feel one like from, rest. yeah. There, there was a clip from the the bridge of the Kelvin when Nero was attacking. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, there was a clip from uh, Into Darkness when the uh, uh, Vengeance was was chasing the Enterprise, uh, but it was they mirrored it so that the the effect of the uh, uh, the explosion of the hull, the uh, decompression, would match the side of where the Romulans were attacking. Uh, there was a, there was a thing from, uh, from beyond when that big station was being, being attacked. So when you see the large group of civilians running around, that's, that's from that one. It's like, Oh my God, here I am able to like, tell you where each of these clips were from. That's the problem. I'm the problem. Where the problem is, is that we know the source of any of these yeah, clips used and normal people are probably like, you guys really need to listen to Shatner's advice and get a life. Well, you can't turn your brain off during, I mean, you're sure. right. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and here, here's another positive. I like, I like the editing. It was edited. Well, yeah, it, mm -hmm. it really, it, it really was, it was put together well, but it's, it's, it's like the contents of what they edited. I was not a fan of, but it was edited very well. I mean, it was clever, but I don't like what was done with it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I would love to see the same group of people, even the same actors who I wasn't a fan of come back and tell the story of what was there. Like with that asshole Romulan, 
who was being a dickhead to everybody and lied and was like, hey, the Earth people fucked up our moon. Let's go fuck them over. Yeah, let's go get them. Mm-hmm. You know, like go tell that story because I was far more interested in that than anything you reused and spliced together and bullshitted me on. Like, go tell that story. Like, please. Like, I would love to see you. Even on the actor, uh, on that one lady who, like, I did not like that lady's acting. I felt like she was so straight-laced, and I didn't care for her acting. But I would rather watch 20 minutes of her talking to the camera than splicing together. Like, Mm -hmm. give me a story that I want to see, because what you have, partially, is here. But the other stuff, it's like, oh, man. Because I'm not thinking about your film, and I really want to see your film. So if they ever do do more like i want to see that but i don't want to see this other shit that you're regurgitating because you've got a bunch of smart people i've seen i've seen your credits and i recognize half the names hell i've worked with a third of them but i don't want to see this and if it's more of this fuck dude i'm not tuning in i go watch the original and be entertained you know Mm -hmm. and it's you know it's just i and again, anyone whose opinion, you don't have to agree with me. Please go watch it. And if you enjoy it, fucking A, right on. But, you know, I won't waste your time talking about it anymore. <laughs> Forget <laughs> Frank, what are your closing thoughts? I just want to know what Vance's true opinion is. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I, I think that my, my nasty little mind accomplished what I was looking for tonight. <laughs> you little devil. And, yes. and, I, and I really wanted to see a good spirited because I know that most of the time we do have good films and it's hard to nitpick them. And, you know, this one, you know, the editing and stuff like good, they, they gave it a try. And, but, but the way they went about it is something that I knew would spark, at least in me, and in in Vance, and I and I'm sure now you, you see what our point of view of being filmmakers that we are that um, these are things I've run into before. I ran into this in 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 one of the first ones that I ever did. The person I'm not going to go into that uh, use some of the ripoffs and stuff like that. As a matter of fact, he edited one of my films and. When I uploaded it, I found out that he used a copyright song in it. And you see, things like that, you got to be careful with. And you have to watch because, hey, let's face it. I know that CBS is never going to come after me. I mean, take a look at my bridge. That doesn't look like a Star Trek. I mean, it looks like a Star Trek bridge, but not something unless you're looking at maybe, you know, lower decks or something like that, that you would see the production value. But... The fact is, is I am producing my own. I don't have Kirk walking around my bridge. And, you know, Shatner is not sitting in my command seat. Mm-hmm. And uh, Spock isn't running my science station. Right. You know, Leonard Nimoy is not there. Well, one of the one of the things that, um, that you and I have, have learned to live with as filmmakers is, and, I, and I've said this before, is when you're watching a film, you have to learn to see the good in the bad films. And you have to learn to see the bad in the good films. 
Like, you have to be objective. You can't just look at something and go, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And you can't look at something and go, my God, this is a piece of shit. Like, and you can't follow the trends. You have to look at something objectively, even in your own films. You have to go, you know what? That didn't work. I thought it did. I, I, it was a good attempt, but it, it fundamentally, it just didn't work. Okay, this will make me a better filmmaker. I need to learn. Because that's the only way you grow as a person, as a filmmaker. And if you can't take those criticisms, even against yourself, because I mean, hey, it's it's sometimes it's hard medicine to swallow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard pill to swallow. You know, it's tough. You know, and 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 to, to those people that don't want to hear it, sometimes it's hard to hear that your baby's ugly. But <laughs> some, some people have some ugly fucking kids. Yeah, you know? so, sorry, all, folks. Some of you got some ugly babies. How did some you know? My- how did you know my father said, my mother said, my treasure, my treasure, my wonderful treasure. My father looked at her and says, yeah, let's bury it. Were you there that I didn't know about? <laughs> when, when, when that is your tramp stamp, Frank. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You're right. That You're absolutely like right. Mother, but, you know. <laughs> Well, guys, thank you. It's it was it was great. I think very good discussion we had. I really enjoyed it, and that's why I like doing these uh, these reviews with you guys. Uh, Vance, don't work too hard. Frank, love what you're doing with the set, and uh, I'm going to. I know. Do yeah, some let me know when relaxing. that red shirt comes in. Yes, I'm waiting. To, waiting to see my red shirt. I think it's it's going to be nice. Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, that's right. All right. Oh, you're getting a new uniform. I'm getting a new uniform. I've, I've got the uh, the uh, hologram Janeway, her uniform from uh, Star Trek Prodigy coming in, man. So you and I are going to be taking pictures together. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Start building our cool. uniform collection. Hey, I oh, yeah. think I have. I think I have just the uniform I can send you. It's don't one just, that. What? Don't send me. Don't send me that fucking alternate timeline. Janeway. I was gonna. I was gonna send it to to. to <laughs> oh, what are you sending me? <laughs> oh, I hate that uniform. The alternate Janeway uniform. My my good friend and companion and partner in crime says, Frank, I've got a great film for us to do. I want you to get this uniform. <laughs> I said, are you on are you on drugs? I mean, I know I can't have any of them. I'm recovering, but uh, uh-huh. <laughs> if I was, I'd take those too. <laughs> I made him buy I made him buy the 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 Captain Harry Kim uniform from the from the alternate future that Janeway's from in, in the oh, final episode. <laughs> in the final episode of Voyager. And and I and then like when I made him buy it, like then I stopped writing fan films. <laughs> like that was like the week before, and I felt <laughs> terrible because I'm like, God, you know, it's this is a terrible time to start getting that conviction of stop writing shit. Because I made him buy a really ugly uniform, but <laughs> damn, what, what a time to go off! On. Like that's a that's a great number to go off on, you know. But ah, oh, shit. Anyway, <laughs> all right, guys, you guys enjoy the rest of your night. Listeners and viewers out there that are here with us, thank you very much. Live long and prosper. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can support us at patreon.com slash beyond trek. 
We are Beyond Chart Podcast. Lower your inhibitions and surrender your years. We will add inspirational and hilarious trip content to your day. Your attention will adapt to subscribe to us. Resistance is futile. <laughs> 